they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this little Bible study all over the world. Yes. And I love it when they say they've been married for 30 years, and I want to say, and I still love her. Okay? <laughs> it's mutual. Oh, God love you. So what we're doing right now, we, if you just joined us, each and every Tuesday, we have this Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful. In addition, if you're here in Southern California, Mary Danielle does a Bible study at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And in addition to that, on Thursdays at 1 o'clock, she has another Bible study. But we've been taking the gospel, is it Luke right now, and going through verse by verse and just helping you understand how practical reading the Bible and applying it in your daily life is. We have the, the reading from the, for the today is, this is the first week of Advent. So we're in Advent. We're preparing for the coming of the Lord. Amen. The readings are telling us about the coming of the Lord and preparing us. So the daily reading, the daily gospel today from Luke which is the gospel of today's Mass. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Turning to his disciples in private, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I say to you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And in this passage... Jesus is telling us, well, first of all, he rejoices in the spirit. And why does he rejoice? He's looking at the simple faith of simple people, mm -hmm. the people who are not necessarily educated, but whose hearts are really in love with God. And he's rejoicing. Father, I give you praise and, and praise that you've learned it, what you've hidden from the learned and the clever, you have revealed to the merest children. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't need our learning. He doesn't need our pride. <clears throat> Excuse me. He needs us to humble ourselves before him, to accept his holy word. So Jesus is rejoicing. This, this is his hymn of joy. And he, he talks about, essentially, this is referring to humility. We need to be humble before the Lord. We need his help. We need his grace. And this humility is a form of spiritual childhood. Children depend on their parents for everything. Mm -hmm. They don't expect to be able to do everything themselves. So be like a child with God, not, not a spoiled child who's demanding everything be his way. But mm -hmm. I need you, Lord. Please give me the grace that I need. Ask from God what you need. Don't be afraid to show him your wounds. If a child falls down and hurts themselves, do they run? Oh, hide it from mama. Don't tell mama. No. You go show mama because mama's going to fix it for you. You go show daddy because he's going to fix it for you. So if we sin, we run to God and say, Lord, help me. This is I without your grace. This is all I do. And I need you. That's beautiful. You know, you mentioned the word humility. 
uh, really is seeing who you are, really who you are as a child of God. So it's the truth about who you are. Exactly. And who, I love that. Yeah. But childlike, I, I right. see this right now, even in our own faith today. Yeah. That, you know, we, we have struggles right now inside our church. Right. There's lots of problems right now. But what's the answer? You go back to the fundamentals of the faith. Go back right. to your your faith because that's what will pull you through this. Not not any man, not any woman. Right. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Exactly. And we have um, Escriver, Jose, Saint Jose, Saint. Saint Jose Escriver. Escriver, in Christ is Passing By, he wrote about this, I have often meditated on this life of spiritual childhood, Mm -hmm. which is not incompatible with fortitude. We have to be strong in our faith, Mm -hmm. fortitude, because it demands a strong will that is a will that's set on God and isn't going to be deterred from choosing God. Proven maturity and an open and firm character. To become children, we must renounce our pride and self-sufficiency recognizing that we can do nothing by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we must realize that we need grace and the help of God, our Father, to find our way and to keep it. To be little, you have to abandon yourself as children do. Beautiful. Believe as children believe. Beg as children beg. Wow. When he said you have to have the grace of God, that's the life of God in you. Yeah. And, you know, we joke on the Terry and Jesse show that you just heard about what state you should be in. I think we made a little mistake earlier, but we really want to be in the state of grace. Yes, we want to be in the state of grace. (laughs) That's where we want to be, in the state of grace. (laughs) And that's how those graces work with us to be faithful in our duties and our state in life. Right, right. That's just beautiful. And so, and Jesus goes on in this passage. He says, Mm -hmm. all things have been delivered to me by my Father. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. (laughs) This is a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. This, by St. Ambrose says about it, this statement is a wonderful help to our faith because when we read all, we realize that Christ is all-powerful, mm-hmm. that he is not inferior to the Father or less perfect than he. When we read, have been delivered to me, you confess that Christ is the Son to whom everything belongs by right of being one in substance with the Father. Everything's delivered to him because he is the Son of the Father, and the Father gives it to him because it belongs to him by right. With us, we get grace, okay? So we get it through grace. Mm-hmm. But by to Jesus, it belongs by right because he is the Son of the Father. So it's a Trinitarian life that we are living, striving to live, correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. This is what we want to live is this... Communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God who loves us, and he reveals himself to us. And so we aren't going to know the Father without coming to the Son, because only the Son reveals the Father. You know, we wouldn't know God as a Father if we didn't know he had a Son. That's true. So it is the Son who reveals the Father to us. But again, it's the Father who also, remember Peter's confession of faith, Mm -hmm. The Father gives us the grace of faith Mm -hmm. so that we can know that Jesus is his son and equal to him and one with him and that there is a trinity of persons. And so we need God to to show us these things. And then, of course, we have at the end of this, um, the the disciples, he turns to them to say, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. 
For I tell you, many of prophets and kings desired to see what you see and, and did not, and to hear what you hear. Remember, God had been promising since the time of the fall, God had been promising the Messiah. And now his apostles, his disciples get to see the Messiah. <laughs> and how many saints didn't get to see the Messiah? How many saints of the old law? They didn't get to see the Messiah, but they waited for him and they looked forward to it. And they were, and so now in heaven they see him, but they didn't get to see him before in their lifetime on earth. And yet we I, have this blessing. I get that. But, you know, I think about the Eucharist, that we do see Jesus in the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so I know that takes faith to believe that, right? Yes, it does. It's just an act of faith. Yes, it's an act of faith. That's right. And so we thank God for that, and we thank this. That was grace. The gospel for the day, and the whole point here, why are we reading this during Advent? Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare your hearts for the Lord. Be humble and childlike before him. Get ready for his coming. Mary Danielle, I'd like, uh, both of us are Opus Angelorum members, and I'd like what Father said about Advent, I think it fits when in before we have the break. He said, you know, each year we begin this new liturgical year. This is the Happy New Year, Mary. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this year, however, is somewhat difficult, right? Because many Catholics are frustrated and deeply disturbed over the uh, clandestine sinfulness within the church, especially among the clergy, the priests, and even bishops. Yet even though God foresaw all this betrayal by his own, the leaders of his church— he still chose to become a man, to enter into great darkness of this world with all its sin. Yes, perhaps precisely this year, we can better understand what the incarnation of the Son of God really means, how deeply wow. he humbled himself. There you go, wow. humble. Wow. How great his fidelity and love for us sinful men really is. Wow. Of course, we hope to see in the following months further changes in the church. Of course we do, with policy that will only monitor and will not only monitor and punish abusive priests, but also bishops who either enable the criminal actions of priests or who were themselves predators. They these need to be punished by church and as we say the civil authorities. Otherwise, all the words of apology to victims will be meaningless. I couldn't agree more with what they're saying. But now new procedures and penal structures were not enough. What is needed is a change of heart. And here it comes, an increase in faith, the renewal within the priesthood, beginning with the seminaries. Now, we here at Virgin Most Powerful pray every Thursday night. And I want to invite our listeners, if you're in Southern California at 7 p.m., come to the chapel before our Eucharistic King and pray for our priests. Amen. This is what Advent's coming uh, about. Maybe this is a good Advent penance to come and spend two hours praying because our priests, our leaders in the church need our prayers. Amen. When we come back from the Bible with the barbers, we're going to continue to talk about the gospel of Luke. Mark. I, I, I keep changing Mark. Sorry, I keep saying Luke because I see Luke there. Mark, the shortest of the gospel. Sorry about that. And we're going to go verse by verse, but we're also going to hopefully make it practical for you, our listener, mom and dad, that you can take these things that we're reading in the Bible and apply them in your daily lives because that's what it's all about here with the Bible, with the barbers, is making the Bible come alive in your life so that you'll want to read it every single day of your life. Amen. If we can get you to do that, it's it's you know goal accomplished. Amen. We'll be back with more. And don't forget Friday, just a quick note, go to Virgin Most Powerful. We've got a nice concert at the, at the Sacred Heart Chapel, 7 p.m. this Saturday. 
Friday. This Friday. This is Terry Barber inviting you to the upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can join us with that or call us at 877-526-2151. Jesse Romero will be there. Father Wolfgang will be there. And our very own Matt Arnold will be there. And I'll be the MC. Don't miss out on this wonderful event, January 11th and 12th. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back, and we're glad to have you with us here. And we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark here. The shortest Gospel, the second Gospel written. And um, we're going to start here in verse 18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees that's chapter 2, verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said, Can the wedding guests fast mm-hmm. while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh skins. 
So Jesus is using a particular case here. They ask him a question about why are your disciples not fasting? And he says, well, because they're wedding guests at a wedding and I'm the bridegroom. There you go. Essentially, that's what he's saying, right? <laughs> and what he's doing, it, 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 he's making a connection here between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the bridegroom has not yet arrived. Mm-hmm. And yet God speaks of himself as the bridegroom and Israel as his bride, his people as his bride. And now in the New Testament, the bridegroom has arrived in person. It's Jesus Christ. So the Jewish fasts, together with their system of religious observances, must be seen as a way of preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah. The Old Testament is a preparation. It wasn't a fulfillment in and of itself. It was pointing forward. So Christ shows the difference between the spirit he has brought and that of the Judaism of his time. This new spirit will not be something extra added on to the old. It will bring to life the perennial teachings contained in the older revelation. The newness of the gospel, just like new wine, cannot, cannot fit into the molds of the old law. You know, it's interesting. We know several Jewish converts who sure. become Catholic. I love it. And they say, we don't consider ourselves former Jews. No. We consider ourselves completed and fulfilled Jews. They see, they've seen now from looking at the Old Testament in light of the new, they see the prophecies that told about the Messiah and they see the complete fulfillment of everything that God promised in Jesus Christ. So this is the fullness. Everything that God wanted for his people, his son has brought. And so the fullness of the revelation comes in Christ Jesus. And some interesting notes here. He says, how can the wedding guests fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? Mm-hmm. Well, literally, that the, the term, the wedding guest, that we translate the wedding guest, it means the sons of the house where the wedding is being celebrated. So what you have here is you have an expression meaning that these are the bridegroom's closest friends. Got it. And the house to which Jesus refers has a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. He's referring to the church, okay? The body of Christ. Mm -hmm. The church is the living body of Christ. We believe that. That's what scripture teaches us. So in the book of Hebrews, we're told, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ was faithful over God's house Mm -hmm as a son and we are his house if we hold fast our confidence and pride in our hope that's hebrews 3 5 through 6 and so jesus christ is showing himself to be the son of the father he is the groom he is the one it is the church is his body and if we're faithful moses was a servant of god so he was faithful in god's house But Jesus is over God's house because he is the son. Mm -hmm. And so the bridegroom has come. The wedding feast has begun. The church is the kingdom of God present in our midst. It's not someone once wrote, oh, Jesus preached the kingdom and we got the church. Nope. Jesus preached the kingdom and the church is the kingdom. Mary Danielle, we've heard people say, oh, the church is just an afterthought. (laughs) <laughs> you're laughing because you know <laughs> but we hear that that it was just an afterthought no 
Jesus Christ established his church yes. for a specific purpose. Yes, he did. He, he established his church as the authority who would be able to show us the true interpretation of God's word and would be able to bring us and keep alive for all of the centuries to come the fullness of the revelation that God had revealed in Christ Jesus. And so he established the sacraments. He established the Mm -hmm. Pope and the bishops in union with the Pope as the hierarchy of the church that but the whole purpose is what they teach, govern, and sanctify. They're not there to change the word of God. No, they can't change. They don't the have scriptures. the authority. They don't have the authority to change what Christ pre- pro- right. preached or taught right. and gave to us. But they're to safeguard it and pass it on to each successive generation. So we all have that authority. And again, where do we get the scriptures? The bishops of the Catholic Church are the ones who tell us which books of the Bible are the Bible. Without the church, we don't have the scriptures. It is the church who gives us the scriptures. And this is the authority that Christ has given to his church. His own authority that he is invested in his church. So this is the household of God. Mm -hmm. This is the kingdom of God in our midst. And so Judaism wasn't complete in itself as it existed in the Old Testament. It was something that was foretelling a reality that was coming. As the book of Hebrews says, when Moses preached, Moses was testifying to things that would be spoken later. So you have to read the prophecies and understand they aren't completely fulfilled in the Old Testament. They're left, there's a literal historical sense in which everything occurred, but there's something more coming. There's always something more coming in terms of Christ. And now he's come. And for us, the something more is looking forward to heaven. So we look back and we remember the, the Old Testament. We don't, we don't throw it out. It, it tells us about Christ. It prophesies Christ. But at the same time, we know that Christ has fulfilled it. And now we're looking forward to heaven. And in the meantime, we're trying to build the kingdom here on earth by living faithful to God within his household, the church. Mary, you just made the last statement, made it concrete for us as family members. I think mom and dad that are watching that our faithfulness to Jesus Christ's teachings is how we fulfill our duties in our state in life. Not all of us are called to be missionaries around the world. Not all of us are called to be priests, deacons, sisters, but all of us are called to holiness. Right. We're all called to holiness. And that's, we have to live that in our families. We have to teach our children how much God loves us. Amen. And the beauty of keeping his law is not, we don't keep his law out of fear that he's standing over us waiting to be these. We want to please him. We want to do, and you know, it's interesting. God wants us to keep his commandments because by keeping his commandments, we become the most beautiful that we can become. We become the best that we can become. The best version of ourselves, huh? Yeah, and, and even more so, yeah. we can become divinized because God will give us graces to draw us into his own life so that we go beyond the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. if you want to go that far. Yeah. And we do sure. because we now are united to Christ and we become a living image of Christ. So we become a living reflection of Christ. So in our own lives, we want to keep the commandments. We want to pray every day. We want to be in union with God by, you know, prayer, by the way, is that conversation that we hold with God every day. And we should be doing that every day. If if you love somebody, don't you want to spend time with them? I don't know, honey. Do you still love them? I do. I want to go to lunch after this. (laughs) There you go. Sweetheart, you mentioned a a comment about um, 
love and, and, and you know your duties and your state in life and your prayer life, all of these duties that we have as a mom, a dad, a kid, uh, we're serving God. We're actually getting closer to Christ, right. and we're being Christ to one another when you go out and fulfill your duties in your state in life. Absolutely. And so God's will is manifested moment by moment as long as we're staying faithful to those duties in our state in life. And that's exciting to me because so many of us are going, well, well I don't know what to do. Yes, you fulfill your duties. Fulfill your duties. You do, so that, yeah. th- those fulfill are your marching papers today. There you go. Fulfill your duties. So Jesus has described himself as the bridegroom, and this, of course, is the fulfillment of the prophets. If you read Hosea and you read Isaiah, Hosea 2, 18 through 22, and Isaiah 54, 5 mm-hmm. and following. And the apostles are the guests, and, of course, that applies to the church, too. Mm. And But he does say something there that's cryptic What's that? and frightening, and What's that is... There will come a day when the bridegroom is taken away. Oh, yeah. And then they will fast. So the bridegroom isn't always going to be with us in terms of physically present. He will in, in, in his body as we know it on earth. Does that apply also, Mary Danielle, to sometimes in our own life when we have spiritual dryness? Yes, it does. Each of us, do, are we loving God for the gifts he gives? No. Or are we loving God for himself? We need to love God for himself. Mm. And sometimes we can get very attached to the gifts he gives. So he (laughs) takes the gifts away sometimes so that we can love him for himself so that our love will become more perfect and more pure. And so Jesus is present now, but he's going to die. And he's, he does warn his apostles about his death and what it will be like so that they're prepared ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to tell them that, you know, you're not going to take a, a, a piece of unshrunken cloth to patch an old garment. And anybody who knows anything about sewing... You don't do that. Yeah, it, it's not going to work. It, it, because the unshrunken cloth, once you wash it, will shrink, and then, you know, the garment's going to tear. Because back it's, to square one. Yeah, back to... Worse. Hmm. Worse than square one. Okay. Or the, the, new, the new wine doesn't go into old wineskins because new wine is still expanding. Ah. The old skins have already been um, used. They've become rigid. And if you put new wine in them, that expanding wine is going to burst them. You're going to lose everything. Wow. And so... Again, that analogy that the Old Testament was, it is old, it's, we, it's important, it was, but it's pointing toward Christ and the fulfillment in Christ, and it wasn't sufficient in and of itself. Right. And you can't take the New Testament and put it into the Old and just say, oh, well, it will fit into the Old. No, the, old, the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old. It expands on it. It shows us the fullness of everything that God wanted to give us. And so, yeah, the, the skins of the Old Testament are bursting, mm-hmm. you know, but they're bursting. In, 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 and what we want to do is, is understand the Old as that preparation for the Messiah and the New is the fulfillment and the Messiah is with us. And now we want to live in union with him. And Christ is still present with us in the Eucharist, and that is a physical reality, but not as our physical bodies are physical. He's present in his risen, ascended, glorified physical body. Now I see why Holy Mother, the church, placed these readings in Advent. It fits the Advent season. When we come back, we'll get more with the Gospel of Mark. And again, I I would just encourage you, because we do this only once a week, to start reading the Gospel of Mark. It's not a long gospel. It's the shortest of the four. And just, you know, read every day something from the Bible that will help you live your duties in your state here on planet Earth because last time I looked, nobody gets out alive. We're all going to face it. 
So I would encourage you to get to know Jesus through the Bible. When we come back with Virgin Most Powerful. We'll come back with the Bible with the Barbers. Don't turn that dial. Share this with your friends who want to have a Bible study but might not come to Covina. We'll be right back. Matthew Arnold here, encouraging you to go to vmpr.org to register for our upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference this January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Father Wolfgang will be speaking along with Jesse Romero, Terry Barber as MC, and yours truly, talking about spiritual warfare and the family. Protect your family now. Go to vmp.org and register for this conference. Don't miss it. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back again. And we're, we're here in the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 2, and now we're up to verse 23. Wow. And there's a question comes up about the law of the Sabbath. Ooh, this is a big one. Yeah, <laughs> funny thing. One Sabbath, he was going through grain fields. And as they were made their way, his disciples began to pluck ears of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look! Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. One more repeat that because we've heard that before. 
The Sabbath? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Got it. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going on here? Tell us. What you have is the Jews, God gave specific laws in the Old Testament about what work could and couldn't be done on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Because what is the Sabbath? In the book of Genesis, we're told that God, you know, the six days of creation, and then on the seventh day, God rested. And of course, St. Augustine tells us that the six days of creation aren't six literal days. Rather, it's six revelations to the angels of God's plan for creation. Mm -hmm. But God rests on the seventh day. And not that God was tired, (laughs) but here's the deal. We need to enter into union with God. We need to enter into his rest. We need to be praying and we need at least one day of the week where we set the entire day aside. That was the idea. The entire day is set aside to give specifically to the Lord. The other days we're giving to the Lord in the doing of our duty, in our work, our labor. We're giving all that to the Lord. But on the seventh day, we simply enter into his rest. We need this for ourselves to be able to serve the Lord because we can't serve him if we don't know him. And so God had said there's certain things you just can't do on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be planting. You're not supposed to be reaping. You're not supposed to be milling your grains. You leave those things go. You have six days on which to work. The seventh is reserved for the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Spend it in time of prayer, visiting the sick or serving in in terms of taking care of the needs of those who are less fortunate than us. But especially to pray, we, we are obliged to enter into public worship of God on the Sabbath. That's keep holy the Sabbath, which now for the, for the Catholics and for Christians, Jesus Christ rose on Sunday, the first day of the week. So Sunday has become the news, the Sabbath of the new law, as it were. That's the day that, because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But in addition to the law that God had given in the scriptures, the scribes and the Pharisees had added to it. And they had a list of specific 39 jobs you simply couldn't do on the Sabbath. You can't. And so the Sabbath, instead of becoming a day of rest in the Lord, a day of prayer, a day to read the scriptures and study them and come Mm -hmm. into communion with God, became a day of scrupulosity. Oh, did I do something I wasn't supposed to do? Oh, am I allowed to do this? Oh, can I do that? They even had it down to you could only walk a certain number of steps on the (laughs) Sabbath. So they're they're making people rather than they've lost that sense of entering into that union with God entering into communion with the Lord and they're making it about keeping specific rules and by the way the rules they're specifically wanting to keep aren't even the rules God gave it's their interpretation Mary we can also apply that in our own lives if we get too legalistic yes. in our own relationship with Christ and his church and forget about you know, what we would, I'll give you an example. This is just an example. You're a mother, many little children. When the kids were sick and they needed you at home on a Sunday, you didn't go to Sunday Mass because you had a sick baby to take care of. Right. And some people would say, well, wait a minute, you got to get to Sunday Mass. No, your duty called you to take care of that child. Now, there's an example of saying objectively, you, you know, you should be going to Sunday Mass, but there are exceptions. But because there's a hierarchy of good and what you lose in the scrupulosity and in the the writing down many regulations and laws is you lose the person. Mm-hmm. 
We're persons. And we're supposed to be in a personal relationship with God and with each other. Right. And so what is, what is the need of the apostles here? They're hungry. They need something to eat. When David went into the, the temple, when, you know, when, when Abathar was the high priest and, and asked for some bread to eat for he and his men, Abathar said, well, the only thing I have is the bread of presence. Only the priests are allowed to eat it. Mm-hmm. But he said, well, you know, as long as the men have abstained from women, then, and he said, well, we're on campaign. We always do. So then they could eat it. That they're, they have a physical need, a real physical need. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of they couldn't eat the bread of the presence could be overridden by their real physical need. This isn't a want. We're not talking about wants no, here. We're no, not talking about... a necessity. Right, a necessity. And the same for the disciples here. And so when you have, you know, if you're taking care of a sick person and there's no one there to relieve you, mm-hmm. you don't leave the sick person to go to church, not even on Sunday. Right. You take care of the sick person. That's You're serving Christ and that you make that your mass. You unite that to Christ. Good advice. And his sacrifice yeah. on the altars. So you, you know, my angel, go and assist at the mass for me. And place me on the patent with our Lord and place this sick person on the patent and help me to take really good care of him like as if I were taking care of Jesus. That's it. And that's, um, and I, so. Yep, I saw you do it over the years. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and Thank you for sharing that. Thanks be to God. That's, that's what we try and do. And that's, so the Sabbath isn't something that, you know, it's not, it's not man is subserving the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made so man could enter into the rest with God. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. God is God and we are not. Amen. He made us. We owe him everything that we are and have that is good. You know, if we're, if we're sinners, well, we owe that to our own either rejection of God or our weakness. Either way, if we turn to God, he can forgive us. But all that is good within us comes from God. And that is our being, our whole being, our whole body, and, and all of the faculties of our body are good and holy. And we need to enter into a relationship with God and know him personally as someone who loves us. And this is what the scripture is talking about. The Sabbath wasn't made so that we could get tied up in knots over about, oh, did I take too many steps today? Or <laughs> Essentially what the Pharisees and the scribes are doing here is they're saying, oh, because your disciples have picked off some heads of grain, they're now reaping on the Sabbath. This is forbidden. And now because they've cracked those grains open to eat what's inside, oh, now they're milling. And it's like, Come on, guys. Are Give you serious? <laughs> How far can we go with this legalism? And we can. We can really go to extremes with yeah. this legalism. And it's not about legalism. That doesn't mean the laws, the Ten Commandments, we can just push aside and say we don't have to follow them. We follow them. But certain things we do like that. On Sundays, if you have someone who's sick and you need to take care of them and there's no one to relieve you, your place is at that, that person's bedside. Right. You take care of them. That's Jesus Christ. That is Christ. Because he, there's a need and you're filling it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, you know, it's not just about legalism and it's not about pushing the human person aside and, and pretending like we, we don't have bodies. <laughs> We're not angels. God gave <laughs> us bodies. And you know what? In heaven, you're going to have your body. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Glorified body, though. Do you know that? <laughs> we believe in the resurrection of the body. Yeah. Jesus Christ has a glorified body. He still has his human body in heaven. That's why in the Eucharist, when we receive Christ, it's really the physical reality of Christ because it is his risen, ascended, glorified body, his physical body, not in the way that we understand physical bodies because we don't have a glorified body. But he does, right. and he's God, and he can be everywhere at the same time. And the, the resurrected body has all these properties that, 
you know, our physical body doesn't have. You can, with a resurrected body, you can move at the speed of thought like the angels do. And, you know, walls don't have any, you, they don't stop you, you know. And so they're, they're agile and they're beautiful and they're glorified and they're, you know, St. Paul once said, somebody was asking him, well, what does a glorified body look like? You know, prove it to me. There's a glorified body, but tell me what it looks like, you know. He said, come on, that's a nonsensical question. If you saw an acorn and you'd never seen an oak tree, would you imagine what an oak tree looked like? Hmm. I haven't seen a glorified body. So I can't tell you what your glorified body is going to look like, but I know that it will be as different as that oak tree is from that acorn. So Beautiful. We enter into the rest of God on the Sabbath. That's extremely important. We're supposed to go to Mass. We have an obligation to go to Mass. If there's... You know, if, if we deliberately choose not to go to Mass, that's a grave moral evil. And it's as if we know that we're supposed to go to Mass and we deliberately choose that with freedom of will, that's, that's what you call mortal sin. You know, great, grave moral evil, you know it's grave moral evil, and then you choose it with your will. That's mortal sin. And yes, it's a mortal sin if you know it and willingly choose it to miss Mass on Sunday and Holy Days. We have an obligation to be with the Lord and to give back to the Lord. He's given us everything Come on, guys. If you love someone, don't you want to spend time with them? Seriously. Of course. Any of you out there who are married or are dating, you know, if, you're, if your fiancé comes up to you or the person you're dating, you know, honey, look, I've got a really busy schedule. got lots of things going. I'm really stressed out. Um, look, I've got 45 minutes here on Sunday morning for you. If you're really good, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. But that's all the time I've got for you. Would you continue dating that person? Would you marry that person? I don't I think mean, so. Seriously. And what do we do to God? And then we'd sometimes say, well, I'm too busy. I can't even go to Mass on Sunday. Hmm. What, what kind of a relationship are we having here? What is this? Yeah. You know, th- this, the point of the Sabbath is to help us to know how much we need the Lord our God, how much we depend on him, yep. how much, and how much he gives us. God lets us share in his own life. Do we think about it? This is what we need to do when we read the scriptures. Think about what it means. Well said. If you just tuned in, you're saying, well, this lady's getting all fired up about the Bible. <laughs> well, you're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Also, Mary Danielle, myself, Matt Arnold, Jesse Romero will be at the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up in just a couple weeks, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. To register, you can call 877-526-2151. We always have a full house, so I'm encouraging you don't wait to the last second. Or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and you can register there. When we come back, we're going to take each verse of the Bible from the Gospel of Mark and uh, try and apply it to our lives so that you, our listener, will be inspired to read more and more of the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't turn the dial. When we come back, we'll continue this last segment with the Gospel of Mark. Barbara, I want to invite you to the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. It's going to be fantastic. 
I want to encourage you to sign up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. One of the speakers is sitting right next to me, Matthew Arnold. Matt, what are you going to be telling our folks about? I'm going to tell them about my journey into the Catholic Church because in my younger days, I was in the entertainment business. I was all involved with cult beliefs and practices like tarot cards and astrology and even channeling. And I had my own brush with the demonic. Wow. Not only Matt... But Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, popular priest, he's welcome back. And our friend Jesse Romero, my partner on the Terry and Jesse Show, will be there. Don't miss it. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We're back. We're back. And, and we're, thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And we're moving along here in the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 3 now, mm-hmm. beginning at verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. Mm. And they watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger. Mm grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So he's there on a Sabbath. And of course they're, you know, kind of sitting back there and they know he cures people. And it's like, (laughs) you can't do this because this is a work, right? Well, what kind of a work is it? What What are you talking about? And In another gospel, he says, look, which one of you here, you Pharisees and scribes, don't lead your ox or your ass out of of their stall on the Sabbath to give them water? Mm. You know, you have to take your animals out on the Sabbath to give them water because if you don't, they'll die. You have to feed them. You have to, you know, clean up after them. There's certain things you do have to do even on the Sabbath. There's certain little basic things that need to be done. 
And if you can do that for your animal, why can't I cure a human being? Makes sense to me. Why can't I cure a child of God? And so he tells the man, and again, he does these things on his own authority. Jesus is always operating on his own authority. He just says to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand is cured. He doesn't say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say in the name of, of, you know, the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He, He says in his own name. He just says, stretch out your hand. So by his own authority, he heals this man. And of course, you know, the Pharisees don't like this. And what's interesting is they go out and they hold counsel with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were people who supported the kingship of Herod. Herod wasn't even a Jew. And, and so not, not everybody was um, in, in the leadership of the Jewish community was united on the idea that Herod should be their king. But none, and besides which, Herod, Herod was kind of collaborating with Rome anyway. But because both parties don't like Jesus... They're willing to cooperate with each other to try and bring him down. Mm. They're trying to find a way to bring him down. Interesting. He's doing everything the prophets had said the Messiah would do. He's preaching the good news to the poor. He's healing the sick. He's healing the blind, the lame. He's casting out demons. He's curing the lepers. And, I mean, it's obvious. And he's doing all this in his own name. It's obvious that God is at work. And they're so blinded by their own preconceived notion of what they wanted the Messiah to be that they refuse to accept the Messiah that God sends when the time comes. And each of us needs to examine ourselves, you know, in our own lives. Where am I telling God, I'm willing to accept you as my Lord and Savior in this and this and this area of my life, but not over here. I want to keep this one for myself. Well, let's be practical. We live in a world right now, many people have not either been taught or embraced the church teachings on the on the fecundity of life. In other words, of being fruitful. Right. And contraception back in the early 60s came into our culture and many Catholics bought into it, maybe some of them not knowing. But for those who don't understand why contraception Bringing, you know, by, by artificial contraception is, 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 is offending God. Why don't we just bring that up just for a minute? Why is it, Mary, what's the biggest reason the church is against artificial birth control? And birth control, is a, as Bishop Sheen used to say, is a misnomer because there's no birth and no okay. control. And the reason is, is because God made man and woman in his own image. Amen. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a community of persons. He's a community of love and life. Right. He is loving and he is life-giving continuously. And it's not a past action. Because he is God, he is eternal. So it's a continuous eternal action where the father begets the son. And the son re- goes out from the father, returns to the father. And in their embrace of love, they spirate the spirit. And so every married couple is supposed to image this fruitfulness and this love that exists in God that is always fruitful. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, God made man and woman to be able to generate children. He made marriage in the beginning. He made Adam. He made Eve to be his partner. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And he also made per- marriage a permanent, indissoluble union between one man and one woman for an- their entire life. And it's supposed to be open to the possibility of life. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that God blesses every married couple with children? 
Nope. No, not everybody is able to have children. And you know what? This idea that everybody's going to have 12 kids if they don't practice birth control, well, it doesn't happen. You know, I was 10 of 12, and I thought I'd get married and have 12 kids, or at least eight. You know, my brothers, my younger <laughs> my younger brother had nine, so, you know, there's my goal. But my older brothers all had eight kids apiece, and I was like, okay. And I get married at 32, and golly gee, I had six pregnancies, and four of those I was able to carry full term. The last two we weren't able to carry full term, and, right. and we buried those babies. But mm-hmm. the reality is that love and life go together, mm-hmm. and that it is the nature of the marital act to say to your spouse, this is what you say when you give yourself to your spouse in, in marriage. You say, I am yours, exclusively yours, absolutely and completely yours, that everything in me belongs to you, and I am yours forever. And so if we hold back our fertility, we're lying with our body. Well said. We're, we're saying with our body, I give you everything. Oh, oh. But, holding back. But I'm holding back my fertility. I'm lying. And so I'm not being honest. And that actually hurts. It harms the love because the love is supposed to be that total free gift without reserve that you give to your spouse. And it's not too late for individuals who have used contraceptives for years to realize this is bad. I'm going to dump it down the toilet and I'm, I've, I've, committed I'm, I'm going to go to confession right and explain to the priest hey i didn't realize maybe i didn't realize what i was doing but now that i know that this offends god i'm i don't want any part of it i don't want it and if and if there's been a sterilization you know you can try and have a reversal of the sterilization that's not absolutely necessary but repent of the action Amen. you know it's interesting the action of sterilizing yourself is actually a mutilation of the body. Of course it is. You took a perfectly normal, healthy organism and rendered it unhealthy. That's right. We don't consider fertility a, a disease. Not yet. We haven't labeled it a disease. Some people might think so. They might. They act that way. We yeah. act that way. But we haven't defined it that way yet. Right. We have defined infertility as a disease. Yeah. So by sterilizing yourself, you're taking a perfectly normal healthy organism and rendering it unhealthy. By the way, if you're using any kind of contraceptives, read the package inserts. Yeah, it's terrible. Read, read what you're putting into your body because this is poison. It's dangerous. And in addition to that, you know, the, the pill, the contraceptive pills, and especially the estrogen only and whatever, they, they work possibly as a contraceptive, That's but they true. don't always. That no. fails. And they have a backup mechanism and that is they have an abortifacient effect that they don't prevent the conception of the child but they do prevent the you, the womb of the woman from being fertile so that it can receive life so that what happens is after the child is conceived it's it's a spontaneous abortion it's not an induced surgical abortion so in these things it spirals what happens when a man and woman use contraceptives in their marriage, they begin to see each other as objects to be used. They're no longer gifts to be given. Awesome. I have a, a text. Don't dump your, your contraceptives down the toilet because, believe it or not, that poisons the water system. <laughs> right, right. I forgot about that article we talked about. So take it to the medicine waste centers like hospitals or fire departments. Uh, thank you very much for yeah. telling me that. That's a good point. Yes. I remember Jesse talking in, with Anita and how they decided to throw it right down the toilet. 
not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take it to you know the hospitals yeah. or the fire department. And say, look, I don't need this anymore. Right. There's a place to dispose of it properly, and we don't want to contaminate the water system with it. That's right. And the reality is, it's like that. When when Jesse, you know, when they were using contraceptives, and Anita finally read the package insert, she said to oh, Jesse, she said, away. "Wait a minute, this is poison. You want me to poison my body?" <laughs> you know, you know, husbands and wives, maybe have a talk to each other, read the package insert and then say, what are we asking each other to do here? Yeah. Mutilate our bodies or use poison. Yeah. And we're turning each other into objects to be used. We're no longer persons to be loved. That's right. I got my wife on this topic, <laughs> obviously, for a reason, because I think it's a huge reason when only I mean, like they say, 80 percent, 90 percent of Catholics haven't a clue on this topic. So I hope that helped you realize, at least for me and for our listeners, that this is a serious matter and you need to embrace what Christ has taught regarding being fruitful and multiplying. Right. The, 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 you know what? God loves us so much and God is fruitful and he gives life to everything that has life. Right. And so when we give life, we are imitating God and he'll provide. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if you have dire circumstances that are absolutely serious and mm-hmm. really... You can use natural family planning, which, by the way, is 99% method effective. So if you follow the method. And let's explain in a minute or two we have left why that's different from artificial birth control. When you use natural family planning, you're using the natural cycle that God has made in a woman's body of fertility and infertility. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, Mm -hmm. you are respecting what God has made. So you're not doing something artificial to thwart what God has made. And the husband and wife have to communicate with one another and they have to practice self-control and they have to practice restraint Mm -hmm. and they grow in love of one another as they communicate more deeply and more profoundly to actually make this natural family planning work. And it, it, it works to space your children. And the idea is to space your children. It's not like, oh, well, I had two kids. Now I can't have any more kids. I'm afraid of more children. No. No, 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 no. That's not, we're, we don't want to buy into that contraceptive mentality that children are just a burden to be avoided at all costs. I want to recommend a, a book called The Bible and Birth Control. Scott Hahn recommended it many years to us. Right. A Protestant realized that it was unbiblical to use contraception. Right, it's unbiblical. It's unbiblical to not be open to life in your marriage. We want to be open to life. We want to be open to fruitfulness. We want to be open to giving God glory. Amen. Mary, anything we want to uh, recommend till next week? Any uh, Read the first, read, read more of the chapters of, of Mark? Well, or? chapter three and four, and okay. um, chapter three looks a little long, so we may just get through chapter three next week, but you can read ahead. And then tonight I have Bible study at 7 p.m. at the chapel. And then on Thursday at one o'clock in the afternoon. And That's don't correct. forget, we have Eric Jenis coming on Friday, December 7th. That's this Friday to do a sacred uh, music at the chapel. That's at 7 p.m. This Friday at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Did I say it's free? Yes, it's free. And I, we're going to take a, a, a goodwill offering. But I'd love to see you there. My wife and I will be there on Friday. Also, my wife and I will be at the Saturday event at St. Peter and Paul in Wilmington. Consecration to Mary event. Hope to see you soon. May God richly bless you and your family. Thank you, my love. You have a voice in your head. How did he know that, the voice just said? Because we all do. (laughs) And the words you speak to yourself matter a lot. Our words shape our self-perception. 
Our self-perception shapes our actions. Our actions shape our lives. Words are at the foundation of our whole lives. What words do you speak to yourself? The book of Revelations calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. He wants us to amplify the negative words in our heads. God reveals the truth about who we are. But he didn't do that so you'd wait for me to preach it to you. Preach it to yourself. When the voice within starts saying, I'm weak, used, washed up, not pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, I'll never be enough. Replace that with words like, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful. I am a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. I don't mean that figuratively, I mean it literally. Look in the mirror and preach the truth to yourself. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.